right. Well, good morning. Everybody doing okay today? Man, let's give it up for our worship team. They just brought it, man. Woo! They did an incredible job. Uh, man, it was just, uh, you know, to me, that brings me real joy, just being able to worship in truth and in spirit, right? And uh, y'all give it up for our production team. They also, man, they, they, nobody even knows they're back there, but man, they're doing an incredible job and uh, they are making a difference. And so thank you to all of you guys. If you're watching us online, welcome. We're uh, glad you guys are joining us. And I know over the last uh, series we did called Triggered, you know, I was like, man, I'm looking forward to, you know, just talking about joy, right? I mean, because we, we need to understand. And we want to reclaim Triggered, like I said. We want to make that a positive. But, you know, we've also dealt with some, some deep, dark things that we have to kind of work through. And, and I think we have to unpack some of the junk that's in our life. But one of the things that we can do is we can get rid of that junk and we can replace that with joy. We can bring joy into our life. And a lot of that is a choice. And so today we're kicking off a new series called Real Joy. And we want to, you know, we want to experience that. Uh, hopefully in our life, we're looking for ways to do that. And if you're one of those who goes through life, man, every day is not really that fun. Or, you know, you don't see any real joy in every day. I'm hoping that God's going to begin to change that as we work through his word. And we kind of dig into that today. That as you apply the truth of God's word, you'll begin to experience this joy that Jesus talks about. And so we're going to be, uh, this is a kind of a study of Philippians. And so we're going to be unpacking that today. And, and so here's the thing, real joy comes so, so, uh, so much easier when we have a heart filled with thankfulness. Wouldn't y'all agree with that? When we have a heart filled with thankfulness, man, it's make, it makes it easier to be joyful. You know, we talk about this all the time, you know, just, hey, thanking God for the little things. But like this morning, we do this every week. We have something on our dream team. We call it our huddle guide. And uh, they gather up and, uh, and they have a huddle before we start. So the dream team is all of our volunteers who serve every Sunday morning that help minister to you. They, they put donuts out. They serve you donuts. They, they, uh, they put the signs out. They do all this kind of stuff. They work in the children's ministry. They're greeters. They're ushers. They, I mean, they work in so many ways. They help out with production, worship team. You just go on and on. All these guys are helping out. And so one of the things that we do is we talk about every week some of the things that we value. And we talk about, uh, you know, trusting Jesus. We, real joy comes so much easier when we, our hearts are filled with thankfulness. So that's on there. So we've already kind of talked about this as a team this morning. But if you look down, one of the things that we do is we talk about, hey, we want to honor God with the wins. And so every week in staff meeting, we talk about, hey, what are the wins? And the wins are those things that, you know what, are happening that are life-changing, that God is honored in that. Whether it's salvations that have taken place here in the room. But this past week, one of the ones I thought was really cool, we, we went to kids camp this past week, our, our kids did, and Pastor Nate and them did an incredible job. So Laurie and I drove up on Tuesday night just kind of hang out with them, and man, those kids were having a blast, and they were like, man, we really don't want to go home tomorrow. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. So all these kids are having great times, and whenever Pastor Nate gave the invitation, there were hands that went up all across that room, and there were multiple salvations that took place there at kids camp, you know, and... And I mean, these kids were having a blast, and, and some of the counselors were like, no, 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 they're going home, man, we, we're getting them back home, you know, to the mom and dad. But these kids went off and uh, spent two or three nights off, but learning and watching them worship, you know, and, and man, just seeing them uh, be poured into was, was, gave me real joy, I'll just be honest with you. And so what we do is we, we give thanks, and so I would just encourage you, man, to, to start your day with, with giving thanks, and that's what Paul does here. Whenever we look into Philippians, and we're going to just kind of work through Philippians over the next few weeks, but he says, every time I think of, uh, of you, I give thanks to my God. So what he's doing is he's telling the church here at Philippi, man, every time I think about you, I give thanks to God. And so wouldn't you like to be that person that when people think of you, they give thanks to God? They don't curse God, but they go, man, God, thank you for that person in my life. Thank you for that friend that I have. Thank you for that family member. Thank you for that aunt or uncle or whatever it might be that you might be. And go, God, thank you that you put them in my life. 
And so what Paul does, he, every time he thinks that he gives, he gives thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. He's filled with joy, right? So he's taking his prayer request before the Lord with joy. He's got this excitement, this emotion that we, we talk about called joy. That Man, we just enjoy seeing that happen. And so for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. He said, hey, listen, man, we rejoice together. We rejoice together. You know, and so I, I'll be honest with you, man, I love our church. I love our people. And, uh, and so I rejoice whenever decisions are made, when people go to counseling, when marriages are saved. Whenever, I mean, when I see life change taking place, man, it gives me great joy. I mean, I'm talking about real joy because I'm going, you know, God, thank you for what you're doing here in our, among our people. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of people. And so it should, move, it should really move all of us in that way. We should all be motivated by that. He says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So here's what I love is that God is at work. And I know some of you may be going through tough times right now. And you go, Mike, you don't know what I'm going through. And it's kind of hard to be full of joy. And it's kind of hard to put a smile on. I mean, you just don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And I don't, but God does. And so God's already wrote this letter to all of us. This is not just to the church at Philippi. This is to the church. And so whenever we read this, we go, you know what, God, help me to remember that you're not done with me. I tell people all the time, I'm a work in progress. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm still being worked on. God is still changing me. He's still chipping away at Mike Mazingo. He's trying to get rid of Mike Mazingo where there's more Jesus there. And he's doing that in all of our lives. He's going, hey, you know what? I want to remove those things that do not honor me, that do not glorify me. And, and I want you to let some things go. We hold on to stuff that we shouldn't be holding on to. And we got to be willing to lay it down. We've got to be willing to let it go. And, and so I love when I look at this passage and it says, you know what? That God is not done. God is not done. There's a line out of a song that I love. It says, and the story isn't over if the story isn't good. It's about, it, it's, uh, it says, failure is never final when the father's in the room. Corey Asbury's song, The Father's House. And if you don't know that song, if you've never heard that song, I would encourage you to download it and listen to it. It's a very powerful song. But I love what he says. He says, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. Because God is at work to bring all things to good, right? He's going to work in all things, even the things that are hard and difficult and painful. And I'm not saying that we go through life and we just, you know, we're numb to everything. and We just smile all the time because smiling is my favorite type deal. It's not that, right? You're going through tough times. You go, you know, God is at work. In the midst of this storm, you know, God is at, he's at work in me. God is changing me. God changed my perspective. God changed my heart, changed my mind, renew my mind. And, and so the more that we walk through life, the more that we realize God is not done with us, man, and God is working on us and he's going to make this a good story. Uh, I, I, you know, my family has been through some tough times and tough, tough things. And I, I've got a lady that, you know, Miss Van, who used to always pray for me. And she said, Mike, it's just a testimony in the making. And she's right. So whatever you're going through, you can clap that up. Whatever you're going through, God is going to change and take that and make it a testimony. Let's do it again. Let's all do it together. So everybody, hey, we got it. We got it. That's how we do it, man. So, but the thing is, is we can, we can clap that up because that's what God is doing. We can give him all the glory in that. So our story is our testimony. You know, our story. So you have a story and every, every story is unique. Now, the thing I love is you are going through things that are unique unto you, but there are other people that are going through similar things that you're going through. And I always tell people, hey, listen, you know, we, we always think, hey, we need to have this gutter to glory testimony is what they used to call them, where, man, you're living like hell, you're the worst thing in the world, but man, you come to this relationship with Jesus and all of a sudden, man, everything's hunky-dory. That's not really reality sometimes, but I will say this, is we all are broken. We're all in need of a Savior. We all, everybody. 
It doesn't matter if you were living in the gutter. It doesn't matter if you grew up going to church. If you didn't know Christ, I'll just tell you this. You were lost without hope and you needed a Savior. Every one of us. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. So there comes a point where we realize, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. And we, and we, we make that decision. We surrender our life. We give our heart to Christ. We say, Jesus, you are the only way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through you. So Jesus, I want you to come and live within me. And so we, we, we have that decision, that surrender, that moment, that spiritual birth that takes place. And so here's the thing. Then we begin to grow. Then we begin to mature. and We begin to become who God wants us to be. We become more and more like Christ. And so I tell people all the time, too often what we do in our testimonies is we tell people about how bad we were and what Satan did all this time. And then we say, hey, man, then I prayed to receive Christ. My life's been great ever since. We give more glory to the enemy than we do to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? And so what we should do is, hey, listen, man, I was lost. I was in need of a Savior. This is how I came to know Christ. This is when I prayed to receive Christ. And this is what God has been doing in my life since that time. We should be maturing. We should be growing. We should be developing. We should be becoming more and more like Christ daily. But if all you have is, hey, man, I got saved when I was 12 and there's nothing happened since, you've missed what Jesus died for. You know, I mean, we go to camp, we go to kids camp, we raise our hand, hey, we're good, and there's no real change since then, you've missed what Jesus was really about. And so that's why Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, the story's not done, man. I mean, God is still at work and you've got to be willing to come to him daily, meet with him, learn from him daily, apply it daily. And so our story is our testimony. And a testimony is like if there was a wreck out in the parking lot and uh, somebody saw it and they said, hey, listen, I saw what happened. And you're saying, hey, would you, would you be willing to testify about that? Yes, I'd be willing to tell people what I saw. And so your story or your testimony is you're telling people what you've seen God do in your life. You've seen God, what you've seen God do in other people's lives. And here's the thing. A lot of people might be able to debate with you about certain things, but they can't argue with you with what you have seen God do in your life. You can't, they can't deny that, right? And so our story is our testimony, and everybody has a story to tell. And so everybody in this room, we could start all, all the way here on the corner. We could come all the way around. Everybody that's watching online, if you're a believer, if you put your faith in Christ, you have a story to tell, and you should be telling that story. And I'll just tell you this, man, there's joy that comes from being able to tell your story. There's real joy that comes from you being able to share your testimony, and someone go, man, I want what you have and then you have the opportunity to lead them to Christ. That is real joy. I mean, I think about a mom or a dad who has the opportunity. This past week, uh, I went by one of the guys in our life group. Uh, I went by to see him at his, his shop. And he said, hey, man, he said, did you hear, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to lead, my, uh, lead son, our son to, to Christ. And I was like, no, I did not get that. And so I, then I pull up the message where he had come through a church center. And I'm reading it. And, man, he is aglow. He's excited because, you know, he led his kid to Christ, man. I mean, that's an awesome thing. You talk about real joy, it's all over his face. But he was able to talk to him and lead him to Christ. And mom and dad, I'll just tell you, one of the greatest joys is being able to lead your child to salvation and then take them through the waters of baptism and to be able to baptize your child and to bring them up out of the water as a new creation, going public with it, letting everybody know there's something powerful about that. Man, it's eternal. And so real joy is our story and our, our story is our testimony so god is at work teaching convicting revealing and blessing until our last breath so he's not done if we're still breathing right and so you might think we well, you know god's given up on me no he hasn't he's still working on you and some of it we're not seeking him we're not chasing after him we're chasing after the world and we go where's god at he's not in the world i'll tell you that he he is over all that but here's the thing if we're looking for all the stuff that's of the world we're missing the most important stuff and, and god says hey listen if you'll seek me you'll find me 
And so maybe you're here today and you're going, you know what, man, I'm seeking, but I'm not finding God. I'm just telling you, he's there. He's here. And he wants a relationship with you. Man, he's, maybe he's tapping you on the heart. Maybe he's, he's calling you close. But man, as long as we have breath in us, we're still at work. God is still at work. And so real joy comes so much easier when our hearts are filled with love. So to me, if we're walking through life and our hearts are filled with bitterness, anger, rage, malice, you know, all, all the negative things that scripture talks about that really are sin, it's so much easier to have real joy when our hearts are filled with love. And, and Paul addresses this. He says, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. He's, saying, he's talking to all these people in this church there in Philippi. He says, hey, man, you have a special place in my heart. And what he said, man, I love you guys. Man, I love you guys. And, and he's, he's, he's filled with heart. He's got a special place there. He says, he says, you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in offending and confirming the truth of the good news. He said, man, we're in this together. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ. He said, man, I, I, I long just to see you. You know, and some people, man, we, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily love people. You know, we, I, I had a friend of mine who was a pastor. I used to you know, joke with him and say, man, I said, I think you, uh, you love a crowd, but you hate people. You know, he didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want to deal with anybody. And I'm like, we're, we're supposed to love people. I mean, that's what, God, that's what Jesus did, right? He loved people. And, and so we've, we've got to have a love for people. He said, I pray that your love will overflow. Now, everybody knows what overflowing is, right? So if you've got a, a, a glass here, the water is literally overflowing. It's overflowing. And so our lives should be overflowing with the love of Christ. Our lives should be overflowing with the love of Christ, that we're getting a little bit of love on the people around us, and we're sharing a little bit of Jesus' love. Wherever we go, we can't help. It's just spilling over. You know, but too often what happens is it's bitterness and anger and resentment and malice and, and dissension and, and, you know, just all these negative things. So all that stuff is just spilling over. But Paul is saying, hey, man, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding so that you're not done. God is still at work and you continue to grow. And so hopefully for all of us, we're constantly going, you know, God, I want you to teach me more. God, take me to another level. You know, because we grow in plateaus, I feel like. We, we grow a little bit, and then we kind of level out. And I think God gives us time to recoup, and then we grow a little bit, and then we kind of level out. And then we kind of grow a little bit, and we level out. And so what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to keep climbing. Help me to keep growing. Help me keep moving towards understanding. God, I want to know more about your word. I want your word to come to life in me. And but what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, you've got you to be filled with God's love. Let it, let it fill you up to overflowing. Number one, you'll love God, you'll love his word, and you'll love people. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. What he's saying here, hey, listen, there's something that really matters, and it's not the things that the world is selling. It's something different. He says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And so here, here Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, we're to live righteous lives. Not just good lives, not just hey, better than somebody else. Because we can often, you know, we don't want to compare ourselves with other people. We'll look over and say, well, I'm not as bad as he is or I'm not as bad as she is. And that's not, the, that's not our measurement. You know, Jesus is the standard. And so we look and we go, you know, man, I'm not loving people the way that Jesus loves people. I'm not serving people the way that Jesus would serve people. I don't care about people. I don't, I don't go out of my way for people. I don't minister to people. I don't, I don't put other people first. It's always about me. And so when we look at this, we go, Jesus is the standard. So again, Paul loved people. So ask yourself, do you really love people or do you just love certain people? 
Do you love people or do you just love the people that think like you, that vote like you? Or do you love the people that look like you or that dress like you? Or do you just love people? Because see, God tells us, you know, we're to love people. And sometimes they don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't even have the same accent. You know what I'm saying? And, and so here in the South, we have this accent. Other people come here like, hey, man, I got to learn this, this accent. Miranda, who, who just left our staff, she, she's moving to Korea. Uh, she joked with us all the time about our accent. And, uh, but you know what? The thing is, is God filled her heart with a love for this place. And I saw a post the other day. She said, you know, I wasn't jumping up and down when God led us you know, to, to Alabama. She said, but this is, God knew exactly where we were supposed to be. And there was an incredible love among our staff with her and, uh, and her family and just watching, you know, her fa- her, watching uh, Miranda grow. And so if you're watching Miranda, just a shout out to you. But uh, Paul loved people. So to ask yourself, do I really love people? Do I love people or do I love what people can do for me? Because a lot of times that's what we like, right? We are, we're always kind of working an angle like maybe I can get someone to help me out with what I want. And, and we make it about us. And so we've got to ask ourselves, do I love people or I just love what people can do for me? Paul loved the church. Do you love the church, the bride of Christ? You know, or do you always run the church down? Do you question the church? Do you you'd like to dog out the church? Or, you know, and there's plenty of people that have been hurt by church, I'm telling you. You can get hurt by church as, as much as anywhere else. And what happens is because we take our focus off of Jesus... And we put it on people, right? And we make it about people. And I'm just telling you, I mean, there's throughout my ministry, man, I've been stabbed in the back in so many ways. I mean, I've been, you know, hurt, wounded by words. I'm just telling you, it happens. But you got to go, you know what? I don't hate the church. I love the church. The, the church is the bride of Christ. And for those of us in this room, if we'll remember, Jesus is the groom, right? And if that is his bride, we need to do everything we can to honor the bride because it belongs to Jesus. And so for all of us, we need to have this mentality. God, do I love the church? Paul loved the church. He loved the people there, right? And the people are the church. We are what makes up the church. It's not a building. This is just a building. But the thing is, it is a place that God has blessed us with as a place to gather. But this is the church. You look around. I mean, look left and right for a second. Don't look at me, but look left and right. And that's the church. Funny looking church, isn't it? But that's the church. We are the church. And so if you begin to question the church, run down the church, you know, talk about the church. I'm just telling you, you're talking about one another. And here's the thing, you're talking about the bride of Jesus Christ, who he loved, he gave his life for, and he established, he he said, hey, listen, this is how my message will go out, is through the church. So Paul loved the church. God loves righteous character. Paul made it very clear. You know, he, he said, hey, man, I want you to overflow with the love for God, but a love for each other. And then he says, hey, man, but God loves righteous character righteous character it's being righteous you know character is who we are when no one else is around character is who you are when no one else is around so when no one else is around that's who you really are character is who you really are and so we always you know talk about you know in most places whenever they hire they they ask about you know character what kind of character what kind of person is this because in an interview process you don't you don't you know you you always get people's best and if you give a reference usually what you do is you give the people that are going to say something good about you right So you put down, hey, would you say, I'm going to put you down as a reference. Is that okay? You're thinking, hey, they're going to say something good about me. And and I'll just give you a secret. The best thing to do is say, hey, listen, when you call that reference that they put down, you ask, hey, listen, do you know somebody else that knows them that I might could talk to them about? And and what you're doing is you're finding somebody else that maybe maybe they're not going to say the best things and maybe they're not, haven't been prepped or whatever. And and so if you're in the hiring process and you work in human resource, you might want to use that one. And the other thing is, is call references. You know, make sure you check on people, find out what they're about. Because God cares about what people are about. He cares about their, their heart. He cares about righteous love, right? That we have righteous character. 
And, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, I, I want to be a righteous man. I want to be a righteous woman. So real joy comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's good news. A while ago, we celebrated when children put their faith in Christ. You know, I celebrate any time that someone puts their faith in Christ. There's just something about that. If you've ever had the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, man, it's, it's, it's something that you can't put into words, but you go, you know, Lord, thank you that you allowed me to be a part of that. God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for people's eternity being changed by the good news, by the gospel. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, hey, listen, man, it's the, it's the gospel. It's the good news. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. All right, if you guys remember, we talked about this in Triggered. He was in prison, right? He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to be able to preach the gospel. He wanted to be able to stand before all these people and proclaim the good news. But he is in chains, and he is locked up, and he is literally having to preach to the guys that will come and take care of him and guard him. And, but, man, his, his joy was there. He says, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And so, man, he's making a choice, right? Even though I'm in chains for the gospel, even though I'm in prison, he's, he's still joyful. That, I mean, Philippians, that's what it's called, is be joyful. That the whole book, the theme of it is joy. He says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's God's message. The gospel is God's message. The gospel is good news. That's what it means, right? And so whenever you and I have an opportunity to share Jesus and, and God's story of how much God loved us, we're sharing the gospel. You might think, well, I don't know what the gospel is. If you know the story of Jesus, you know that, you know that, that he left heaven, he came here, and, and he literally went to the cross and died on the cross so that all mankind could be saved if we will believe in him as being the son of God, that he bled out his precious blood to wash away all the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And if we put our, our faith in him, if we believe, if we surrender our life, he says that literally he will place his spirit within us and he will lead us and guide us and he'll walk with us through life. And we'll become part of his family, we'll become adopted into his family. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And listen, a child can put his faith in Christ. And an old man can put his faith in Christ. And it changes everything for eternity. And so therefore, what Paul is saying, man, it should give us great joy that we get to partner in the gospel. And no matter what we're going through, no matter how we're dealing with it, man, we're going to choose to make it a, a good thing. And we're going to make it a God thing, even if we're sitting in prison. He says, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He goes, hey, listen, if it's me paying the price, but it gives them boldness, I'm good with that. But see, that's not how most of us live. We want somebody else to pay the price so that we reap the benefits. But Paul says, this, hey, listen, if I have to sit in chains to empower them and to embolden them, you know what? Then let me sit in chains. What a great attitude. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. He said, hey, listen, there's some that their hearts are right. You know, oftentimes we've, we've seen people that maybe in ministry that their hearts were corrupt, but they were proclaiming the gospel. Someone hears the gospel, they respond. The gospel is still effective even through a, a, a jacked up person. The gospel is still effective and powerful. Don't ever misunderstand that. You may have been at a church where some guy was doing something wrong, but you found out, but you found Christ and you came to know Christ because you heard the gospel. The gospel, man, it never changes and it's powerful and effective. And it doesn't matter who proclaims it, it's God's message. So God can take his message and he can use anybody to bring someone to salvation. And we've got to be okay with it. And Paul was. 
He says, they preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. But look at this. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my change, uh, uh, intending to make my change more painful to me. He says, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. He's going, man, the gospel goes forward. The gospel is effective. The gospel is powerful. So matter, no matter what their motives might be, he says, man, the gospel, the good news of Christ is good news for everyone everywhere. And he said, hey, listen, man, we need to be okay with it. And I rejoice. I rejoice. Even though these people are trying to hurt me. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So here's the thing. Paul, we talked about this last week. Paul didn't waste the hurt or the opportunity. And I said this in the Trigger uh, series. Some of us will waste a hurt. We'll hold on to it. We'll blame it for everything. We'll use it as an excuse. And we'll stay trapped inside that hurt. Whenever God is saying, hey, listen, you can be set free. You can rejoice even in the painful things you're going through. And he says, I'll work through that and I'll work through you. To Paul didn't waste the hurt or the opportunity. And even though he was in chains, he found a way to share the gospel. So I think for, for many of us, you know, we, we go, you know, how do we, how do we share the gospel? And here's the thing, is if we just will, kind of like David Ring, uh, I've shared with you guys who has uh, cerebral palsy or he did, he passed away now, but he used to always say, hey man, I got cerebral palsy. What's, what's your problem? And he found a way to share the gospel. You know, I, I see people that, you know, look for, hey, just some way to share the hope that we have. So let me ask you, who have you shared the gospel with lately? Well, have you shared it with your family, with friends, maybe with coworkers, your children? Have you shared it with somebody lately? If not, then what are you holding back for? Why would you not share a message from God that can change someone's life for eternity? We, we all ought to be motivated to say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to share the gospel. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is our hope. That, that is the message. That is our hope, is in Jesus. And, and it should bring us joy when it's shared, when it's preached, and when it's proclaimed. So all of us that are believers, that believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, man, we ought to get excited whenever we hear it sung like we, sung, we were singing it earlier. Man, we can't help but worship. We can't help but praise Him. We'll go, you know, God, thank you that you have defeated death. God, thank you that you defeated the grave. God, thank you. And we, we can't help it. We, we can't hold it back. And we, we celebrate that. And then whenever we hear it shared with someone, we hear someone sharing the gospel, we get excited about that. I remember years ago, Lori was working in downtown Dallas. She was working at the Earl Cabell Federal Building. And, uh, and so I would go down and meet her every once in a while. We'd go to lunch. And I remember this young man who was standing up on a, on a actually kind of on a block, on a, up on a wall. And it was at a bus stop. And he was preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Now, a lot of people have a, have a tough time with uh, street preaching but if we look back in the scriptures there was plenty of that that took place but i'm i'm standing there and i'm listening guys so i'm not looking at him because i don't know what he's saying but at first so i'm standing there and i'm listening to him and i'm going man man he's he's preaching the gospel it wasn't condescending he was preaching hope he was offering hope and i'm sitting there going and it was a young guy and i'm like man this guy is preaching truth this guy is preaching hope he's not preaching condemnation he's not trying to tear people apart you know and, and i'm going up god you know get bless him god use him Use him in that way. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, that is our hope. That, that is the message. And we want everybody to hear that. And so whenever we, we see it shared or we see it preached or we see it proclaimed, we kind of get a little bit of joy in our heart. And we go, man, that is the hope of the world. That is the good news. And man, we want people to experience that. And then we look for ways. How do we, how do we live that out? How do we share that in such a way 
that people want more of that. They want the Jesus that we have. So real joy comes when we make, make it about God's kingdom and not about our wants. And Paul's saying this, you know, he's just saying, hey, listen, man, let's preach the gospel. Let's proclaim the gospel. Let's tell people about Jesus. That's what it's really about. And then real joy comes when we make it about God's kingdom. It's not about us. He says, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Wouldn't, we, wouldn't it be awesome if we all live like that? Dear God, whether I'm alive or whether I die. I just want you to use my life somehow for your kingdom. It's not about me. See, there's nothing that we, we, we want to do here to make it about us. We want to make it about Jesus. And we want to point towards Christ. We want to point Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. It's just for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. What Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, for me to live is to live for Christ. So no matter what I do, no matter where I go, whether I'm in chains or whatever, it's for Jesus. And it's all about him. I want to point towards him. He said, but dying is better for me. He goes, because I get to go be with Jesus, right? He goes, I leave here. I'm in the presence of God. No more tears, no more pain. So that would be better. But look what he says. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. What he's saying, he man, you know, man, they're both good. They're both really good, you know. And, and sometimes God says, hey, listen, you want a Snicker or you want a Milky Way? And you go, man, I like them both. And God says, well, all right, we'll just pick, right? And so that's kind of where we are right here. Paul said, hey, listen, man, either one would be good. Either one would be good. But I really want to be, I, want it, I don't want it to be about me. He said, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. He said, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. So it's not about me, but it is about, hey, what can I do to make a difference in the lives of the people? What can I do to, pro to further proclaim the gospel? What can I do to build more churches, to plant more churches? What can I do to help spread the word? What can I do to help build up the kingdom? So he's got that mentality. It's not about what's great for him. He says, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. It's not about Paul. It's about helping you guys experience the joy of your faith. He's going, man, I want you to mature. I want you to grow. I want you to understand what it really means to follow Christ. He says, and when I, when I come to you again, you'll have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. See, even what he's doing through him, it's, it's really, hey, this is to give Jesus glory. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. He wants you to experience that. So here's, here's the last few parts here. Real joy comes in. Uh, and through discipleship. So what Paul was saying, hey, listen, it's more important for me to stay and pour into you. It's more important for me to disciple you, to teach you. And I would, I would just say this to some of you guys in the room. If you've never been discipled or discipled anybody, you're missing out some of the greatest joy you'll ever experience. There's something about pouring into someone's life and watching them mature and grow and develop and become a man of God or a woman of God. And you go, you know what, God, thank you for letting me be a part of that. Or if you're on the receiving end of discipleship and someone is pouring into you, and man, you're learning and you're seeing and you're seeing the hand of God and you're seeing the work of God and you go, you know, God, thank you. Thank you that you put this man or this woman in my life to pour into me, to teach me, to equip me, and to prepare me for the works of ministry. But real joy comes in and through discipleship. Jesus had what? Twelve disciples, right? He poured his life into them. You know, and he, told, he kept telling him, man, you are my joy. He, he kept talking about how much he loved them. He'd given them everything. He called them friend. Real joy comes as I'm sharing my testimony. We talked about that earlier. 
man, you know, I'm being discipled, but man, I'm telling people about what God is teaching me. I'm sharing my story. I'm, sh- I'm sharing with others how they can come to the life-changing uh, reality of a relationship with God. And then here's the last one. Real joy comes as I'm doing life in community. As I'm doing life in community, you know, like the disciples, man, Jesus spent time with them. And man, it was joy. It was laughter. There was all kinds of fun stuff that took place. Paul, he's talking about the church, doing community with them. Wherever he would go, he would establish a community of believers and he would literally, man, empower them. Hey, man, reach other people with the gospel, with the good news. And so real joy comes at doing life together. And, and I would just say this life group is a great place for all of these. Discipleship can take place in a, in a life group. You know, real community can take place in a life group. Sharing your testimony can take place in a life group, and it should. You know, one night we sat in our life group and we just kind of went around the room and each person shared their testimony. And man, it was moving. It was powerful. And I believe that it gave God glory. You know, I believe that God was honored in that and it gave us great joy. And, and so I would encourage you, man, get involved in a life group. So real joy is being in a right relationship with God the Father by faith in Jesus Christ. That's really where it all begins. All this other is good stuff. But man, I'm telling you, it starts with a right relationship with God the Father through faith in Christ. You know, it's not by attending church. You know, this morning, I'll be honest with you, we were even praying against religion. Because religion is, that's man's attempt to try to get to God. But Jesus was God's attempt to connect with man. Providing the way, the truth, and the life. And so God wants a relationship with us. He wants to be able to walk through life with us. He wants to be able to bless each day. He wants to teach us day in, day out. And so God has that desire for that. So next steps, the most important one would be, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If you're watching today online or you're here in the room, you've never put your faith in Christ, let today be the day that you surrender. You go, man, this is what I want. This is what I've been looking for. You know, and this is what I desire. And man, you know, I don't have joy, but I, I want joy. And I'm telling you, that's where it starts right there. When you put your faith in Christ, I remember the night that I gave my life to Christ. I remember kind of negotiating with God. I was kind of sitting over on this side at a church down in Chickasaw, Alabama. And I remember hearing the gospel, God's message. And I remember hearing it going, man, that's what I want. But God, you know, I've done some things. And everything that I would kind of mention in my mind, the pastor would kind of speak that and say, listen, it doesn't matter if you've done this, God will forgive you. And I'm like, I mean, is this guy reading my mind? What's going on? You know, but the more that I heard him proclaim God's message, the more that I realized I needed Jesus. I didn't need religion. I needed Jesus. And so I remember going, God, if you'll get me to the front, I'll give you my life. Because that church, you had to come down to the front and you had to go talk to the pastor. And my biggest fear in life was getting up in front of people. And there they would turn you around and say, hey, listen, guys, hey, listen, this guy came up today. This was Mike. And I'm thinking, Lord, I, I don't think I can do that. And I remember negotiating with God. I said, God, if you'll just get me to the front, I'll give you my life. And next thing I remember, I'm at the front and the pastor goes, hey, what are you coming forward for? And I said, I just, I just know I need Jesus. It's all I knew. Man, I got on my knees and I prayed a simple prayer. But it was a surrender of my heart. It changed the whole direction of my life. And I can remember thinking, man, I was filled with such joy. Man, I was weeping. And I couldn't even put it into words how I felt. But I was just filled with joy. I was filled with Jesus is what I was filled with. His spirit, his presence, his power was in my life. If you've never experienced that, man, I'm just telling you, it's, it's a good thing. And I would encourage you to take that step. And then here's another one. I will share my testimony. Maybe you've already nailed down your salvation. Maybe you've already given your life to Christ. But man, you haven't told anybody about Jesus in years. Maybe ever. Maybe ever. But you go, you know what? I'm going to share Christ with somebody this week. I'm going to make it about God's kingdom and not about me. And, and so maybe those are the steps you need to take. And then here's the last one. I'll join a life group. 
Maybe you get, got some life groups that are going to be going on through the summer. Amen. You just need to get with Pastor Jeremiah. He'll get you connected. But we want, we want you to in community. We want you around people. And I'm just telling you, there's joy that can come out of time together with other believers. Discipling one another, praying for one another, sharing our story. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not sure what God is speaking to you about. I'm not sure what he maybe have zeroed in on in your heart today. But I think you do. Maybe you realize, you know, that your life is not filled with joy, but it could be. Maybe for some of you in the room or some of you watching online, you realize you've got religion, but you don't really have a relationship with God by faith in Jesus Christ. You may have grown up in church, but you've never surrendered your life, never given him your heart, never asked him to come in and take over to be the leader and the Lord of your life. Maybe like me, you negotiated for too long and maybe you just don't feel that tug anymore. Well, my prayer is you feel it today. So maybe that is your need. You just go, Jesus, I want you to come into my life be my leader to be my lord i surrender i give you everything i give you everything so jesus i want to confess to you that i'm a sinner i am messed up i am broken he already knows that you say jesus will you come in and will you live within me jesus i want to quit living the way i've been living i want to live for you i want to live for the kingdom that's repentance so if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And we will repent. We turn to him and it's, it's, it's saying, hey, listen, I'm serious. I'm committed to this. So if that is your prayer, we would love to know. All of heaven knows if you really prayed that prayer. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Literally, there's a party going on in heaven if one calls out on Jesus to be redeemed. So we would love to celebrate, just like heaven's celebrating. So if you've made that decision here in the room, if you don't mind, just raise your hand. If you don't mind, fill out a card. Let us know. We would love to be able to celebrate that. Anybody, if you, if you're a, if you prayed that prayer today, just raise your hand. Maybe you're watching online. We've had many people over the last few weeks uh, making decisions from our online service. If you're watching today, man, text us. Let us know. But take the time to fill out that card. Take that step. But maybe you're here and God's dealing with you about something else and you know what's robbing you of joy maybe it's an opportunity to go to the altar and lay it down for the final time our prayer team's going to be at the front they'll pray with you pray over you pray for you but you have to take that step and it could be a step towards real joy real surrender real freedom It's a step of faith. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today. God, I thank you for Paul's letter to the church there at Philippi. God, I thank you for your word as it works on us, as it reads us, as it reveals areas of our life. Reveals our motivation. Reveals where we're stuck. 
reveals where we need your help. God reveals our need. And so, Lord, I pray right now that God is, as we sing this next song, that we would trust you enough to respond as your Holy Spirit leads. In Jesus' name, amen.